I'm so happy for you. All right, hey, listen, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23, verses 2 through 5, all right? Matthew 23, 2 through 5. We also have a version event created if you'd like to follow along in that way as well. Just go to the Bible app, click the menu, click events, click LHC Stuman, and you are there. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to just dive right in to our um, passage this morning. And I'm going to put it up here on this screen, and it's going to be kind of small. I know that, admittedly, all right? Um, but I'm going to show you guys a few things from this passage up here. So here we go. Ready? If you are there, Matthew 23, verse 2 through 5, here's what it says. It says, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So does anybody, can anybody help me? What is the law of Moses? Law of Moses. Yes, sir. The Ten Commandments, that's part of the law of Moses. That's correct. Anybody else? What is the law of Moses? Do you guys know that in your Bible you have the law of Moses in there? Yes or no? Nod your head, yes or no? You didn't know that. Okay. The first five books of the Bible are the law of Moses. And in Hebrew tradition, they are called the Torah. They are called um, the, I can't remember the other name for it, uh, the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch uh, is the first five books, pent, right? It means five. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are the first five books of our Bible. And listen, back in Jesus' time, that's all they had written down. We have 66 books, but they had those five. And so listen, The teachers of the religious law, does anybody know what we call those people? Like another name, you've maybe heard them, big church name, starts with a P. Huh, Pat, no. Back then, yeah. Patriarch, no. Pharisees, look, it's literally right here, good job. The Pharisees, and another name, starts with an S, very similar sounding to Pharisees. Anybody got one? Sadducees. So that's the the people of the day. So listen, here's what Jesus is saying. These people, they're all official and they're all religious and they all got the titles and all the, the crazy stuff. They are the only ones, they're the official interpreters of the Bible. Check out what else he says. Verse three. So practice and obey whatever they tell you. All right, so he's, he's, he's endorsing their leadership. Like, hey, listen to what they say, but check this out, ready? I want to show you this part. But, if you have your Bible open and a pen, I want to encourage you, circle that word right there. But, so he says, listen, you can practice and obey what they tell you, <coughs> but don't follow their example. Don't, like, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Okay, so don't follow their example for why? For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Verse five, everything they do is for show. And on their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear robes with extra long tassels. So why are we not supposed to do this? Well, look at what happens in verse four. They crush people with their unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. All right, so if you have a pen or whatever and you want to underline these things, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verses 2 through 5 about the Pharisees. Real fast, I want to give you guys a few um, examples of things that the Pharisees did, okay? And so I am going to run a round of, of boxes up here on the screen and show you some of the things that the Pharisees did, okay? So... First things first, um, 
You can take notes on this if you want, but uh, ultimately, the Pharisees, here's one example of a law that the Pharisees had on the people. They were not to refrain from letting a third generation Egyptian convert to enter the assembly, right? How many of you even know what that means? Okay, exactly. The point I'm trying to make here is the Pharisaical laws. Here's another one. You were to examine the level of kosherness of every animal that you ate. We'll continue. I'll give you some more. Ready? You were to not eat ripened grains from new grain before Omer. Anyone got that? Anyone following that law here today? Okay. You were to eat matzah on the first night of Passover. And if you didn't, you were in big trouble. You were to rest on Shavuot. All right. Listen, here's my point. Okay. The Pharisees created 613 laws that they were expecting you to follow. 365 of them were laws that you should not do, and the other portion were laws of things that you should do. And so what I did is I just jumped online, and I found some of the craziest laws that I could find. So the point I'm trying to make is they had a ridiculous amount of expectations and laws. What did Jesus say? He said they would crush people with their expectations. Now listen, here's what I want to get uh, at this morning with you guys. (coughs) I think for this last month, we've been talking about reading your Bible. In fact, we've challenged some of you to commit to reading it every day for 30 days. Show of hands, how many of you are still trying to do that regularly and consistently? Maybe you've missed a day here or there, but for the most part, you're still trying. Awesome. That's like half the room. That's pretty good. Listen, here's what I'm... (coughs) Sorry, I'm dying. I'm going to take a drink of my water over here. What I'm afraid of is that what happens is we become so accustomed or we become so determined or so worried about not messing up our 30-day challenge, right? Like if we make one misstep, all hope is lost. Oh man, I I messed up, I missed a day, okay? And what I think is sometimes we almost worship the act of not missing a day of Bible reading. Like, Like how many of you have ever tried to read the Bible the whole way through in a year before, or you know someone who's tried to do that before, right? We almost worship the checklist of, I have to read my Bible on March 31st. Are there 30 days in March? I don't know. Uh, on March 27th, if I, if I miss the check mark, right, all hope is lost. And I think sometimes we almost elevate the act of Bible reading instead of what we're supposed to be doing is actually getting something out of the Bible. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to read a pretty long quote, all right? It's in you version, so if you have it there, you can read it. Um, if not, you just listen, okay? But here's what it says, all right? Imagine yourself moving into a house with a huge picture window overlooking a lake with a grand view of mountains beyond, snow-capped mountains, beautiful mountains, and you have a ringside seat before all of this beauty, The cloud formations, the wild storms, the entire spectrum of sun-illuminated colors and the rocks and the trees and the wildflowers and the water. And at first, you're just absolutely captivated by this view, by this window. You sit and you stand and you look and you admire and you catch your breath several times a day. You interrupt your work to just stop and stand before the window and take in the majesty and the beauty. And then one day, 
you notice some bird droppings on the glass. And, and you get a bucket of water and a towel and you clean it up. A couple days later, a rainstorm leaves uh, the window streaked. And so the bucket, it comes out again. And one day, some visitors with a tribe of small, dirty-fingered children come, and the moment they leave, you notice that there's smudge marks all over the window. And so they're hardly out the door before you have the bucket out again. And you're so proud of the window, and it's such a large window, but it's incredible how many different ways foreign objects can attach themselves to that window, obscuring the vision, distracting from the vision. And keeping that window clean now becomes a compulsive neurosis. You accumulate ladders and buckets and squeegees. You construct scaffolding outside, on on one on the inside, one on the outside, one on the inside. And you have to get all the difficult corners and heights, and you end up having the cleanest window in North America. But now, it's been years since you've even looked through it, and now you have become a Pharisee. Listen, here's what I think. It's been very important that you get into the rhythm and habit of reading your Bible. But what I don't want you to become is someone who worships the art of reading your Bible and misses the point. Guys, what's the point of reading God's word? Yes, sir, right there. Learn more about how to follow God and yeah, Lucas. To, to what? That's the point of reading, the, to put what the word of God into action. Yeah. Guys, listen. Yeah, right here. To gain knowledge. Can I just be very simple? This is a simplistic answer. There's a lot of other reasons to read the Bible, but here's, I think, probably the most important, to find Jesus. Right? The whole point of this whole thing is to find Jesus. Like, yes, put it into action. Yes, uh, figure out how you're supposed to act more and more. But ultimately, guys, I want you to find Jesus. And it's almost like this window thing. Like you, this, you construct this whole way to like become so good at reading the Bible, but you miss the point. And that's why I want to be very clear. That's why I want to end on this tonight. And actually, I have a, a, a point for you up on the screen, right? I think this, I think sometimes you focus on the process and not the prize. Guys, the ultimate prize in this is Jesus, okay? So back to our screen up here. Uh, if you have version open, it's gonna take you to Matthew 11. Here's what Jesus said. So remember what Jesus said about the Pharisees, right? The last uh, scripture that we looked at. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. Check this out. Jesus commands all of us who are weary and carry a heavy burden. Guys, if you're stressed because of school, if you're stressed because of parents, if you're stressed because of friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, the lack thereof, whatever the reason, whatever the expectation, the weight that you are carrying, guys, Jesus gives an invitation to all of us, including you, to come to him, those of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden. And look what he promises. He says, I will give you rest. Compare that to the Pharisees, right? Here's what he said about the Pharisees. Do what they say, but don't do what they do because what are they going to do? They're going to crush you under the weight of expectations. So the Pharisees are crushing you and Jesus is offering you a light burden and he's offering to give you 
rest. And he says, you will find rest for your souls. And so what I want to challenge you guys with today is, yes, continue on in the the reading of God's word. Yes, this is the end of our series. Yes, continue to make it a priority and a habit. But here's how you do that, okay? I need a couple of volunteers, okay? I need a couple of volunteers. Um, Let's do, uh, yeah, Patrick, and then let's get a girl, uh, Dakota. Come on up, come on up, come on up. Hey, where's Ellie's microphone? Do you guys have it back there? (laughs) No, this is the main church one. It's not going to work in here. All right, here's what I need. I need you, oh, we eat that? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, 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 I need that microphone. Here, you hold this, and you hold this. All right, explain to the crowd what you have in your hands. What is it? And just describe, like, the feeling, the touch, the texture of it. What is it? What you got there? It's a pancake. It's a pancake. How many of you guys know what a pancake is? Okay, the whole room. All right, what happens, Patrick, when you pour syrup on a pancake? It gets soft. It gets soft. Where does the syrup go? It gets soaked back into the pancake. It gets soaked back into the pancake. All right, so you tell us what you're holding. A waffle. A waffle. Can you hold it up for everybody to see? Do you guys see this waffle? Okay, nod your head if you do. Dakota, what happens when you pour pancake on a waffle? <laughs> uh, psh, syrup. Syrup on a waffle. What happens? The waffle absor- absorbs the syrup. The waffle absorbs the syrup. But what's the main difference between a waffle and a pancake? Um, they look different. They look, well, how do they look different? They have a grit. The waffle has a grid. The waffle has a grid. So when you pour the syrup into the waffle, it goes where? In between, in the squares. Yeah, and when you pour the, the syrup on a pancake, it, it goes... It just spreads. Everywhere. All right, good job. Okay, give them a hand, okay? It's not easy to describe something so obvious as a waffle or a pancake. So, here's my point. Guys, how do you live a faith like this that Jesus offered to you if your faith is like a waffle? Here's what I think. Ready? I think each and every one of you at some level, has been tempted to, if not currently lives this way, with a waffle-like faith. What I mean by that is you have all these little compartments of your life, right? So like this compartment right here, if you can see it, zoom in, zoom in on the video. This compartment right here is school. You're not like school, like the social side, just like the work, like teachers and all that junk, okay? This next one right here is your social life. So it's like your friends, This one right here is your social media persona. It's very important, right? Some of you spend a lot of time in that compartment right there. This compartment right here is family. Some of you, it's very cobwebby in there and you don't spend much time with your family at all. And then right down here, the very tippy bottom, right, is maybe like your Jesus compartment. And here's what I think. I think many of you feel the weight like Jesus described of the Pharisees, of this crushing expectation. You come to church and we're like, hey, listen, read the Bible every day for 30 days. And you're like, holy cow, how am I supposed to add more time into this little compartment here of my faith? But I think the way that we can experience what Jesus has experienced or offered us here is if our life looks more like a pancake. And what I mean by that is every element of your life is touched by Jesus. You don't have little compartments. You don't have a waffle-like faith, but you have a faith where Jesus is in everything you do. Your social media persona, Jesus plays a part in that. 
Your, your, friend, your, your relationship with your parents, Jesus plays a part in that. Your, the way that you do your schoolwork, in the Bible it says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So my question is, are you living a more waffle-like faith or a more pancake-like faith? Listen, when I'm feeling empty, right, when I am feeling empty, I naturally gravita- gravitate towards a compartmentalized faith. And the reason is, is because I don't feel like I can fill up each compartment like I'm supposed to anymore. And so now I'm feeling empty because I am trying to, on my own power, I am trying to fill up the compartments. Guys, I think many Christians live their lives so as to not blow it in the big areas. And what do I mean by that? I mean like, don't be caught looking at pornography. I mean, don't have sex outside of marriage. I mean, don't murder somebody. I think that's how most of us live our lives. Like if I just don't blow it in the big areas, then that means I'm following Jesus. But what I wanna contend and what I wanna ask you is I think it's in the non-compartmentalized type faith, the type of faith that's more like a pancake where we can follow Jesus in these ways, like, like this, like living a self-controlled thought life, taking every thought captive as the Bible describes, or speaking kind words, even when you don't feel like it, or holding back on that extra verbal jab that you're thinking about giving to somebody. It's the degree to which we either keep or lose our cool when the Wi-Fi loads slower than expected, right? It's in those areas that I think we can live the type of faith that Jesus is commanding us to ask and so, or, or commanding us to live. And so listen, I've challenged you guys at the beginning of this series. I've held you to a high standard and a high bar, but I don't want the standard or the bar to become what we worship. Instead, I want this to be how you view reading the Bible, to bring your heavy burdens to Jesus, to take on his light yoke and experience the rest that he offers to you. Another, another verse in the book of Ephesians, it puts it this way. Paul, he's writing, he says, I want you to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And right here, I want to point out the word filled in Ephesians 3 is in the present continuous tense, which it's a big language arts word for this. It means to be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled and filled some more with all the fullness of God. Guys, when you go back to God's word, I hope that you are experiencing this, not what Jesus describes all the way back here where the teachers of the religious law, like me or your life group leader or even your accountability partner, you're feeling crushed under the weight of expectations. What my whole heart, my whole goal of challenging you guys during this series was this, was to be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled some more to the full measure of Christ, all right? And so before we uh, dive into some practical things about why we should be filled and what that looks like practically speaking, we have to play, because we haven't in a while, another round of Hot Seat, all right? And so we've not done Hot Seat in a while, so I am going to get one of our leaders up here. Let's put them over here, okay? And I'm going to give them a microphone, and they're going to answer a series of questions. (coughs) All right. And your hot seat contestant for today is Katie. Come on down, Katie. 
I'm gonna, you got that countdown timer back there? All right. I'm gonna hand you this microphone. You just have a seat on that stool. And uh, it's not as, you've, done, you've seen this a few times now, so you know it's not as difficult, right, as it might sound. All right, but here are our questions. Um, we're gonna spin through, and when I spin the first timer, they're gonna start a minute timer on the screen, and we're gonna go from there. Got it? Here we go. Hold that microphone up. Go. Best Kings Island ride. Any water ride. Any water ride, okay? All right. Try to Fortnite dance. Do the floss. Can you do it? That's okay. That's the whole point. Yes. All right. Good job. Way to go, Katie. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple all the way. Favorite Avenger? I don't know. She Any doesn't know. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke all the way. Favorite Disney movie? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Okay, Mac or PC? Mac. Mac, all right, still in the Apple theme. All right, what is your coffee shop order? Pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin spice latte, all times of year? Okay, vanilla latte. Okay, vanilla latte. Last one, finish us out with favorite Bible verse. Uh, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. Can you recite it on the spot? Uh, He'll judge you. No? No. Okay. All right. Ephesians 2.10. Yeah, it's a good verse. You got it, Lucas? What's it say? Ephesians 2.10. Let's go. Okay. Ephesians 2.10. Let's see. God made us. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good things. Long ago, God prepared them for us to do. Nice. Was that it? All right. Good job, Lucas. Nice job, buddy. All right. So here's the question, right? Uh, and these are going to be up here on the screen, so I want to encourage you guys to take notes. There's three reasons on why you should be filled and filled and filled some more. Why this even matters, okay? Why this is even a thing that we're looking at, all right? So the first reason is this. Being busy doesn't satisfy. Being busy doesn't satisfy. Listen, I know in junior high, you're not really the keeper of your schedule. Like I know that's kind of probably on your parents. And so in some instances, this may be something that you need to have a conversation with your parents. But let's look at what the Bible has to say about being busy. Luke 10, 40 through 42. Many of you've probably heard this before. It says, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, it doesn't seem, or doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, he said, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all those details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Guys, being busy doesn't satisfy the most important thing. Check it out, verse 42. There's only one thing worth being concerned about and Mary has found it. Do you know what Mary was doing while Martha was cleaning the house? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, just taking it all in. She wasn't actually washing, but she was just sitting there. He was teaching and she was just listening. Guys, here's my question. When's the last time you just sat at the feet of Jesus and listened and learned and spent time with him? That's the most important thing right up on the screen. Being busy doesn't satisfy. Number two, our souls long to be filled. Our souls long to be filled. Matthew 16, 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more 
than your soul. Guys, there's a natural gravitation. There's a natural inclination within us to, to be, have our souls be filled. Guys, our souls are the most important part of who we are. Is your soul being filled by Jesus? In God's divine measuring system, stuff always loses to soul. Always. So is your soul being filled? And then number three, there's something more ahead. There's something more ahead. And 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says this. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. So guys, are you doing right now what it takes to, in the long run, be filled with Jesus? Because in the long run, in the scope of eternity, we are spending our time with him and the rest of our lives. And so last thing I want to do is I want to just offer you guys a simple way to go beyond just this 30-day kind of challenge, just this 30-day reading the Bible. What does it look like on a natural kind of day-to-day basis? And it's really simple, but it's going to be really hard. And I don't know if all of you are honestly up for the challenge. I hope you are. Okay, but here's what this might look like to continually be filled and filled and filled and filled and filled some more. Check this out up here on the screen, right? Yes, hit it. How are we going to keep going? Number one, stop. In your daily life, do you have time to just stop? Number two, be quiet. Like on a scale of one to 10, how awkward was the last like five seconds of me not saying anything? Maybe some of you didn't care. What'd you think? It felt peaceful a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of what it's supposed to look like. Guys, my challenge, my, next time you're like in a room, just think how many things, devices or whatever are there to entertain you. Your cell phone screen, we have three screens in here, four if you add this one on the stage, right? Like there's always something. And maybe you're like in silence, like at a doctor's office, but look around how many things are meant there to stimulate you. When's the last time you just stopped and were quiet and unplugged? And the third thing is make a connection. All right, just try to make a connection to Jesus like Mary did at the feet of Jesus. Because when you go to him, guys, he can take that heavy load, that heavy burden. And what I just want to be very clear about is as good as this 30-day challenge has been, as good as this series has been about challenging you guys to develop the discipline of reading your Bible, the most important thing is that you make a connection with Jesus. That's what I want. More than checking a box, more than completing the 30-day challenge, I want you to make a connection regularly with Jesus. Let me pray for you, and then you're off to your group. Lord, Thank you for this group. Thank you for these junior hires. God, I pray that you would give them a desire to stop, be quiet, and make a connection so that they can be filled and filled and filled some more in all the fullness of God by spending time with you. Give our groups a good time discussing this, unpacking this, and what this looks like practically as we wake up tomorrow morning and the rest of our lives and live this this faith out for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. See ya.